Lord, this is our heart. Lord, this is where we want to start this Sunday morning in August. Lord, we change our view from inside these walls to outside these walls to Knob Hill. Lord, would you open our eyes in wonder to the work that you want to do? Would you fill us with a heart for this community? And Lord, would you start to break ground in new communities? Lord, and prepare the way. Lord, we're so thankful for the community that you've blessed us with here at Anchor Church. Lord, I thank you for each and every person that is here today, Lord. They have been a tremendous blessing to my life and my heart. And Lord, I know you want to do great things through each of us. So may we position ourselves in a way that says, Lord, we're ready. Lord, I pray that you would be in this time as Pastor Lindsay shares. Lord, that we would learn to let go of even more of what we might not even realize we're still holding on to. Lord, we trust you with our lives. You are our Savior. Speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, we have a good worship pastor, don't we? <laughs> Sometimes I get ready and I'm like, nah, she's not going to make me cry today. She'll be fine. One day I did get her. She, she was at the altar after my sermon, and I was like, I've always wished that I could get you. And that day was a very glorious day for me because uh, she gets me on the daily. I live with her, so conviction right across the hallway. Uh, well, good morning. We are in week four of One Hit Wonders. And we have been talking about how we can make simple decisions to make a lasting impact in our relationship with the Lord. You know, we've said we don't want to be one hit wonders. And this is volume what? Duh. <laughs> you have to do the lip thing with it. Duh. Um, and this is volume two. And so we've talked through having more time. Uh, Pastor Valerie gave an excellent sermon on how to love offensively. Last week, uh, we talked about, what was it? Living like Jesus. That was a good one, too, uh, if I do say so myself. Uh, <laughs> and this week, uh, we have a very simple one, one that I hope you will still remember next week because it's only two words, and that is this. Let go. And I had a couple of friends remind me this week that this is actually from a one-hit wonder. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> 
Hunter is getting it. Okay. Um, but, but this actually comes from a one-hit wonder. Now, I will be honest with you. It is very difficult for us to let go of much of anything, isn't it? Uh, it reminds me of a story that I heard a while back. It was about a guy who was walking along a cliff. Okay? And he's walking along a cliff. Imagine that this altar is a cliff, I guess. And he's walking dangerously close, and the ground gives way underneath him. And he falls to his death. And miraculously, he reaches up and he grabs onto a branch. And as he's hanging there on this cliff, he starts screaming, Hello? Help! Is there anybody up there? I need help! help, I'm on the cliff, you probably can't see me, but I'm down here. And he hears this booming voice respond to him, yes, there's someone up here. And he says, who is it? And he says, it's God. And he says, okay, what, what do I do? And God says, let go. Is there anybody else up there? <laughs> it's very difficult for us to let go because it is a huge leap of faith now, isn't it? You know, what maybe could God be asking you to let go of this morning? What if, just a theory I have, what if the thing that is keeping you from having a lasting relationship with Jesus isn't something that you're missing, but something that you need to get rid of. You know, maybe today is the day that you decide that you're going to let go of having the last word in every argument. <laughs> I heard an audible from, my, from the wives in the crowd. <laughs> uh, maybe today is the day that you let go of defending yourself. Maybe it's the day you let go of that toxic relationship or your own pride. Maybe today's the day that you let go of fear and worry or pride or ego or reputation. Maybe it's the day that you let go of that grudge that you've been carrying for years. Maybe it's the day you let go of bitterness. Because what I believe that the Lord has asked all of us to do this morning is to let go of something that he wants us to let go of. I believe that with all my heart. And I believe that about every single person in this room. This morning, our, our challenge, simply put, is that if you want to grow, you've got to learn to let go. If you want to grow, you have to learn to let go. And that is in character, that's in faith, that's spiritually. If you look at the biblical meta-narrative of Scripture, God is constantly calling his people to let go of something. Uh, if you look at Noah, you know, God goes to Noah and he says, build a big boat. <laughs> and Noah's like, that's crazy. And he's like, yeah, but bigger than you're thinking, you know. And he says, but you are going to have to let go of your reputation. People are going to think you're nuts and you're going to have to deal with it. Just let go of it. Uh, Moses, God came to him and he said, I know the doubts that you have. I know the past that you have. I know all the years that you and Sarah have spent, but you have to let go of that because I got something bigger in, pl in, in place for you. Uh, think about uh, Ruth. 
I know that you have a hard story. I know the pain that you've carried. I know the grief. But you have to let go. And trust me, uh, the woman caught in adultery, he says, I know the relationship that you're in. Go and sin no more. Let go of it. Moses, I want you to go toe-to-toe with Pharaoh himself, the most powerful man in the entire world. But you have to let go of your insecurities. You have to let go. James and John were fishers, this, this family business. And he says, drop your nets. Let go of it and follow me. I can remember a time in my life when I had to let go. Uh, when I was in high school, I felt a calling to be a pastor. And I remember that day. It was beautiful. It was anointed. It was like in the, not mountains, in the hills of South Dakota and looking up at the stars. And God just inspired and encouraged me and said, you are meant to be a pastor, Lindsay. And I remember going home that day and telling my parents. And and their response was, why would you do such a stupid thing like that? Why would you want to beg for your money for the rest of your life? Why would you ever do that? They, they called me ungrateful. They called me silly. They threatened to kick me out of my house. And I was only 18. And I remember, oh man, for months, it was like we could be talking about anything. And it would come back to the fact that I wanted to go to a Christian college so I could pursue this calling. We could be talking about, I don't know, cheese. You know, I don't know. And they'd be like, but you want to leave us and go 10 hours away to this college so that you can do this dream. And God hasn't called you, and this isn't right. And why, haven't, why are you so ungrateful that you would want to do something as stupid as ministry? And I remember it was constant. And my parents and I, we had a hard relationship for a while. And, and it was constant. It was like I was thinking, okay, if my mom and dad kicked me out tomorrow, what would I do? And the Lord, I I prayed about it, I talked with people, I sent in applications, I I did all the things that I needed to do, except for trust God. And I remember he gave me a specific date. He said, February 13th, 2009 is the day. And I waited. And I did nothing. I just trusted And I drove home that day, and I remember my hands were shaking. I was like, what in the world are you going to do? Maybe this is how God's going to tell me that I'm just going to be a graphic designer for the rest of my life. I don't know. And I sat at the table, and there was silence, and I was just waiting for it. It's like the calm before the storm, you know? I'm like, we're having mashed potatoes. I'm sure that could relate to my calling somehow. You know, I don't know. And we're sitting there, and my dad, out of nowhere, just says, well, I paid your housing deposit today, so I guess you're going to be a pastor. And that's the thing about letting go, is that you have no idea what God's going to do. It puts us in a very vulnerable position, doesn't it? And it says, I trust you regardless of what you want to do. I was reading uh, this part from a book that Henry Nowen uh, wrote, and he was a very, very famous theologian and author. And he talks about this trapeze group called the Flying Rodleys. Man, that's hard to say, just so you know. <laughs> uh, the Flying 
Rodleys, not the Riley <laughs> Fodleys. Anyway, um, but, but he talks about this group, and he was amazed by them. Like, he would watch as this guy would fly through the air, and he was so much of like a fangirl that they invited him on tour with them. And so he followed them around with the German circus, and he watched these trapeze artists. And one night, he got a one-on-one with Rodley himself, who was the star of the show. And he said, Rodley, what does it feel like to be the star of the show? And Rodley responded, only the public thinks that I am the star of the show. Really, it's Joe, the catcher. He said, all I have to do is jump. Joe has a split second to catch me and to not hurt either of us. He went on to say this, the worst thing the flyer can do is try to catch the catcher. I'm not supposed to catch Joe. It's Joe's task to catch me. If I grabbed, listen to this, if I grabbed Joe's wrists, I might break them or he might break mine. And that would be the end for both of us. A flyer must fly, and a catcher must catch, and the flyer must trust with outstretched arms that his catcher will be there for him. I don't know if I could do that. You know, I think that at that point in time, if I jumped, I would, I don't know, hope that I could start flying, you know? <laughs> I'd figure it out. <laughs> but he says he just soars through the sky, arms stretched, trusting that the catcher is going to catch him. Maybe you saw some people today during worship, and maybe they thought they were flyers. And maybe, just maybe, they were thinking, Lord, I am flying through life and I'm just trusting that you will catch me. See, that's what letting go looks like. What is God asking you to let go of? What does God ask us to let go of? We're going to look in Ephesians chapter 4. And in Ephesians chapter 4, it outlines three things that God asks us to let go of. Now, I will tell you, hope, maybe you won't resonate with all three of these. But this is my personal dare to you. Pick one. Find one out of these three and say, that's the one for me this morning. This, this sermon was written for me, and that's the one that I'm going to go home and I'm going to let go of. Fair enough? What are you going to do? Pick one. Pick one. All right, Ephesians 4, verse 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your mind, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now Paul writes this to the church of Ephesus, and he says, if you ever want to go where God is asking you to go, you have to let go of this. And he talks about the new life versus the old life. Meaning that when Jesus comes into your life, he takes your old life and he gives you a new life. And he says, you have to let go of this old life and walk in this new life. And it comes down to what it says is, in the attitude of your minds. 
that literally our mindsets have to change and we have to have an attitude of Christ. And the first mindset that we have to change is this. We got to let go of control. Say that with me. Let go of control. We got to decide that we, that there is a God and I am not him. There is a God, and he is in control, not me. I'm going to show you this. Um, I want you to do this for me. I want you to make this, this little, like, okay symbol. Okay, now look down at your hand, and imagine your life in this little circle. It's a very small circle for an entire life, let's admit that. Maybe you see your name in that circle. In that circle, this is what I would call the circle of control. These are all the things that you have control over. Your life. All these fingers represent all the things that you can't control. Um, these fingers would represent, I don't know, I-25 rush hour traffic. <laughs> things you cannot control. Uh, they would represent Washington, D.C. Things you wish you could, but you can't control. Uh, for some of us, it would represent our hairline <laughs> or hair color. Uh, I don't know. Um, and it would also represent other people. Now, we try very hard to control the things that are outside of our circle of influence, don't we? Uh, we want to control the things that are outside of our influence. But the only thing that's inside the circle is you. Now here's where it gets sticky. Then Jesus comes along and he says, you know the one thing you have control over? I want it. <laughs> you know that one thing that you have control over it? Let it go. That's mine. Uh, Matthew 10, verse 39, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. And if you give up your life for me, you will find it. In other words, if you want to find life, if you want to find who you were created to be, he says, surrender it to me. Everything that you have control of in this tiny circle, let it go. Dude, that's frustrating. Because I want control. I want to have control over who I am. But it says that whoever would come after me, deny themselves, pick up their cross. And we all know how the cross ended, right? And follow me. Then you will find your life. See, this means that the, the, the pathway for becoming a follower of God is surrender. Now, for my control freaks in the room... I want you to write this down. Your life is God's project, not yours. I'll say it again for those in the back. Your life is God's project, not yours. Meaning, let me tell you what, church, you are plan A for this world. Like God says that you are plan A. You have power to change this world but you aren't in control of it. And you have to surrender that control 
See, in trying to control things that are not in your control, you will drive yourself nuts. And you will drive the other, other people around you crazy. Have you ever noticed that you don't like when people try to control you? Anybody? Anybody? Okay. And then we turn around and we try to control others. And we get mad when they respond badly, right? We have to surrender control. And it looks crazy when people are trying to control things they can't control. Have you ever watched that? You know, it's the guy that hasn't washed his underpants in three weeks because the Broncos are going to win. You know? That's insane. I'm looking at you, Dwayne. Um, that's insane. The, it's, <laughs> if everybody, uh, have you ever gone bowling? Does anybody like bowling? I like bowling. I stink at it, I'll be honest with you. But there is a perfect example of trying to control things you can't control. Because what happens about 0.5 seconds after you send that ball down the lane? I don't care what kind of yoga you're going to do on lane three. Like, that ball isn't going to change its course because you lean. And the same is true in life. There are so many of us that are going through, grasping at this sense of control, going, mm, looking at the people that we love the most and going, mm, looking at all the ways that God has said, I am in control. And we say, but maybe if I just, this will work. And it never works. You will drive yourself nuts. I don't care what kind of yoga you can do, you will drive yourself insane. So I want to ask you this question. What is something God is asking you to surrender control of? Something or someone, maybe, that God is asking you to surrender control of. That despite your best efforts, they are not in your circle. Next one, we're going to go to verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. This next one is let go of deception. Let go of deception. Uh, How many of you have ever told a lie? you didn't raise your hand, you just joined the club, so that's fine. Um, <laughs> whatever. Uh, how many of you have ever believed a lie? Yeah. And that's even harder, isn't it? That I have believed a lie from somebody else. Uh, one of the most famous stories about telling the truth is George Washington, right? You know, Little George goes out and he cuts down a cherry tree and his father sees the tree later and his father says, who cut this down? And George says the famous line of, I, it was me for I cannot tell a lie. So funny story about that story. It was written in the 19th century by a man named Parson Reams and he made it up. <laughs> the most famous story about being honest was made up, okay? Deception is all over our culture. Lies are everywhere. But let me tell you what, there is so much freedom in walking in the truth. Because the words you say and the words you let impact you, they matter. Verse 29, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs and it may benefit those who listen. 
you need people in your life that challenge you. You need folks in your life that build you up and encourage you. People that see your needs and your struggles and they join you in it. And they say, let me help you along. Have you ever noticed that nobody like, gets sick of encouragement? You know, I've never had somebody come up to me at church and said, Lindsay, you gotta lay off the encouragement. Would you please discourage me a little bit more, you know? We never get sick of encouragement. And I would say that each one of you needs people that are what I would call porch people. Porch or deck people. I don't know. It depends on what kind of part of the world you're in. But porch people. Now, I grew up at a house, and we had a back porch. And we had a two-level house. And so this porch was like 10 feet off the ground. And I remember sitting on the edge of the porch and just dangling my feet and I could see everything that my parents owned. I could see all of the land and then some because I was up on the porch. You need people that show you the view from the porch. You know why? Because we have some basement dwellers, don't we? You have a vision and they're a vampire. You know, <laughs> they suck it up. They suck the life out of you. They tear you down. They belittle you. They lie about you. They hurt you in the ways that they enjoy hurting you. And I will tell you something, that deception brews in the basement, but truth is found on the porch. We need porch people in our lives that even though we're in the mix, in the basement, we're seeing nothing around us. Notice, when you're in the basement, you see nothing around you. But when you're in the porch, you see everything. Who do you have in your corner that pulls you up and says, look at it from this angle? We need porch people in our lives. Maybe you need to let go of some basement dwellers' impact in your life. Maybe you need to let go of an abusive relationship Maybe you need to let go of the fear of being alone. Now, I want to be very clear. I am not telling you that you can cut people out of your life. Jesus was really good at ministering to really hard people. And you are in their lives for a reason. What I am saying is, do you have boundaries on what you let sink in to your life and to your heart? I think that um, oftentimes we have lies and they cloud what God has said about us. And the closer that person is, the more we believe them. Uh, Pastor Valerie made these cards this morning or this week for you guys. And this is on one side it says lies. And it's the lies that we believe. God is disappointed in me. I'm not worthy of love. Every time I mess up, I have to start at square one. I have to earn God's love. How people feel about me is how God feels about me. I can't be a Christian and still have painful life at home. I can't be a Christian and still be tempted. And on the other side, she wrote truths, and she wrote scripture to back it up, so you know it's true. <laughs> God celebrates every victory with you, but he also walks through the valleys. Christ has made you worthy. God does not keep records of your wrongs. 
God loved you before you ever did anything good. God loves you even when nobody else can stand you or when people think that you're the worst. Christians are sure to face persecution. And Jesus was holy and sinless, but he was still tempted. I would encourage you, if this is, your, if this is the thing that you say, I need to let go of deception in my life, you grab one of these cards during worship, and you say, I'm committing to the truth side and not the lie side anymore. Verse 31, it says, and this is probably the hardest one to let go of. I'll be like, disclaimer. You know, if you haven't picked one yet, you might want to grab one before we get to this one. <laughs> okay? Verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Paul says, get rid of bitterness. Get rid of the grudge because it's holding you back. And that's our last one. Let go of bitterness. And we live in a fallen world, you know. We have people that have hurt us. And the closer they are, the more it stings. And God, Jesus, he knew this. He knew the pain of relationships. He had 12 disciples that he pulled close to him. One of them denied him. One of them deceived him. And all of the rest abandoned him completely in his hour of need. But Jesus also knew something about forgiveness. That as he was hanging from the cross, nails in his hands and feet, watching guards barter for his belongings, because he was as good as dead, he said what? Forgive them. They know not what they do. See, forgiveness is costly. And the only thing more costly is unforgiveness. Let me show you what I mean. Uh, have you ever seen a hollowed out tree before? Um, I have a picture of one. This is this huge tree that's completely empty. And, and I saw these, this, I saw a picture of this this week and I, I had to look, you know, what happens to cause a hollow tree? And what happens is, is that an injury has to occur to that tree. Something from wind, or rain, or fire, or lightning, or somebody hits it with their car, I don't know. But some injury occurs, and it breaks into the side of that tree, and it breaks so deeply that it goes to the heartwood. I have a picture of what the heartwood is. It's this internal center, and that's where the source of resilience comes from for the tree. That's where the sap is produced. That's where strength and resilience is formed. But something happens to expose that heartwood, and then it becomes a breeding ground for things like insects and water buildup and disease and fungus, and it eats its way from the inside out. Now, I'd like to think you guys are very smart people, and you know where I'm headed. This is what happens when bitterness comes into your life. Something happens, an injury occurs, 
Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, wow, world, I'll be bitter today. That doesn't happen. An injury takes place, and it becomes a breeding ground for the enemy to put lies about who you are, for things to creep in. And let me tell you what, when that injury happens, the only way out is through. And it will hurt you, and it will hurt your life, and it will hurt those around you. It will make you say things like, I will never trust another person again. Bitterness makes you think, I will, I will always question people's motives. I will never trust the words out of somebody else's mouth again. And it will creep its way out, and it will eat its way out like a hollow tree until you are left the shell of a person that you used to be. But God calls us to let go of bitterness. And he says the only way to do that is forgiveness. Now, I'm going to preface this. Uh, I don't share this story very often, but uh, when I, a few years ago, after I graduated college, I ended up in a relationship with the man that I thought I would marry someday. And um, about a year in, he started physically and emotionally abusing me. And I went through a prayer session with some friends of mine, and my friend Valerie said, do you want to forgive him? And I said, it's not that easy. Not, if somebody has hurt you like that, I will tell you, if you're waiting on a good reason to forgive them, you're not going to find it. It's hard because forgiveness, it, it feels like it's something that it's not. But let me tell you, forgiveness is not excusing what they did. Forgiveness is not forgetting. You may never forget. You may still have those nightmares. Forg forgiveness doesn't mean everything will go back to the way it was. In fact, it really won't. <laughs> but what it does mean is that I don't, you don't owe me anything anymore. It means that I am not waiting for you to resolve the debt that you have in my life. It means that I have unhitched my life from your actions. And I will no longer carry on my life waiting for you to change or justice to be served. People, I've heard it said that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. It's not going to happen. God says, you must forgive. You have to let go of this bitterness because it will consume your life. And, and I've been a part of a few prayer sessions that I've been so blessed to be a part of, and I've seen people who go through traumatic events. And I'll tell you something that is the common denominator. Whenever there is a small voice inside of you, much like there might be this morning saying, Forgive them. That is the catcher. That is not you. I love you. You're not that good. <laughs> okay? That is the Holy Spirit inside of you saying, I promise you there's freedom. I promise you there is freedom on the other side. See, forgiveness is not something that we can muster. It is not an emotion that we may ever feel. 
but it is a decision. And though it is a supernatural act of God's grace, it starts with us deciding. See, God honors our will. And when we say, yes, Lord, I want to, he helps us through the rest. So this morning, I'm going to invite the worship team up. And I want to ask you, what is the one thing? Um, If you would bow your heads and just take a posture of prayer this morning. Now, if your posture of prayer is different than bowing your heads, you're welcome to do so. If you want to come down to the altar, if you'd like to stand, if you'd like to sit where you're at, whatever that looks like, would you take a posture of prayer this morning? What is the one thing that you need to let go of? Do you need to let go of control? Is God asking you to let go of this worry and this anxiety and this frustration and this fear and this posture of leaning when you know that you can't control it? Do you need to let go of lies? Do you need to surrender what those basement dwellers have said and embrace what God has said? Or do you need to let go of bitterness? Is there someone in your life that you need to forgive? Now I'm going to ask you to respond today as we pray. And I'm going to go through these three things. And when we get to the one that you have chosen today, I'd like you to stand. First, because it's a commitment. It's a commitment in front of other people to say, this is where I need to let go. And second, I just want to be praying for you specifically. So the first one that I'm going to pray for is to let go of control. If that's you this morning, would you stand? Jesus, you have the ultimate control in our lives. Lord, you have numbered our days and the hair on our head. God, and we are sorry for trying to take the place of where only you can control. Jesus, we surrender that control and we submit under your authority. Our lives are your project, not ours. The next one is to let go of lies. Would you stand if that's yours today? Jesus, this world has told us who we are through the way it treats us, the things that it says. Lord, but we don't live in those lies. Jesus, we are made whole, we are made new in you and you alone. Jesus, that means that what you say about us matters most. God, I want to walk in your truth I want to walk in the truth that I'm a child of God. 
that my life has value and purpose and meaning. Not what those others have said, but what you have said. Jesus, would you give me the strength to walk in your truth today? And lastly, for those of us who say that we need to let go of bitterness, would you stand? Jesus, you know the hurt. And hurt seems like such a small word in comparison to what we've gone through. But Lord, I want to walk in forgiveness. Jesus, today I choose to forgive. Would your Holy Spirit give me the strength and the power to do so? Lord, we love you so much and we trust you. God, I pray that we could be like the flyers. Lord, with outstretched arms, that we would stretch our arms out just waiting for you to catch us. Never doubting for a second that you will.